Hey, Christy. Hey, Karen. Why didn't the ladybug hear what the aphid said? What? It was a pesticide. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christy, a backyard gardener from Colorado. These days, gardening has gotten very popular, and my friends and I have noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Tulips. Hello, Karen. Hi, Christy. And hello, gardeners out there. And wannabe gardeners. And people who just like the sound of our voices. <laughs> of which there are many. I'm sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome back to Upside Down Tulips, Karen. Thank you so much for having me again, Christy. It's so much fun. You're a podcaster now. I know. Who knew? I'm going to add it to my list of things, my list of my special skills. Yes. yes. All the things that you do. <laughs> you're a mother. You're an actor. You're a writer. You are a caterer. You're a baker. These are all true. These are all true. And now podcaster. Yes. Hey, did you get your guinea pigs? Oh my gosh, we did get our guinea pigs. Oh God. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, really, they're fine. They're they're quiet, okay. which I like a lot. They do make the cutest little noises. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter has named them Toast and Butters. <laughs> That's cute. And even though she's never seen <laughs> South Park, it. Butters is a lot like Butters from South Park. Oh, really? She even has like a the little, the hair. The blonde. Yes, like the little thumbprint. It looks like somebody put a thumb on the top of her head and her hair just splayed out. It's very cute. Oh, that's nice. The toast is quite plump now. And I, yeah, Butters isn't. But and they get along okay. They get along they, great. Little cuddle puddles of They're guinea pigs. So cute, oh. and they make cute little noises. But they stink and they poop too much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like most rodents do. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have to get stuck in Febreze when you have yeah, animals. Right? No kidding. And they're everywhere. And like yesterday, I went into her room and I was like, "What is? That? Oh, it's the it's the pigs." You know what piggies. we should do, Karen, and because we're good friends, is that we should make a pact, okay? Yes, please. That whenever we go into each other's house, yes, if we smell animals, yes, we have to tell the other person. I love that, okay? Because it's something that people, I think, have a lot of fear oh, around. I do. Yeah, telling you get somebody nose else blind completely. You have no idea what your house smells like. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I've got two cats. And it's it's a true sign of friendship when you can say, "Listen." Your house. Yeah. You have spinach in your teeth and your house smells <laughs> like animals. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a good friend. That's a deal. Well, let's celebrate a new member of our garden party, Karen. Yay! This is somebody who throws us a couple bucks a month to help support Upside Down Tulips. So thank you very much to Linda B. from Denver. Thank you, Linda B. And she's been entered into a drawing for a free t-shirt. 
Ooh, I, nice? I don't even have a t-shirt yet. Uh-oh. How we will, fabulous. We'll, we'll fix that. I need to enter the drawing myself. And friends, if you want to become a member of the garden party, uh, you also can be entered into a drawing for a free t-shirt. And depending upon what level you are, you can get some other things from our garden like seeds or we have a coffee mug or other, other types of gifts for you. I love it. I highly recommend it. The coffee mug is my favorite bit of merch. I have one here right now. Yes, you I'm do. I'm going to sip from it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find that link in our show notes or just go to UpsideDownTulips.com. Um, well, Karen, how's your garden going? You know, it's going okay, aside from the fact that, and I thought it was quite ironic that last week we were talking about how one of the squirrels got into your pumpkins. Yeah. And I was like, man, that thing's toast. And a squirrel or two have wreaked havoc on one of my pumpkins. I mean, oh, seeds everywhere. Oh, I'm so sorry. And just destroyed, decimated. And the worst thing is, is that it kind of smells now and it's mm -hmm. attracting flies. Mm. And I just, oh, squirrels. Well, I left the one that had a couple bites out of it. Out, I left it out there. Um, and they've just been munching on that the whole time and leaving my other pumpkins alone. That's what I'm doing. So, okay. That's what I'm doing too. I'm just going to leave it on the vine. And don't and forget hairspray. Don't. I don't know if that works, but I'm yeah. doing hairspray. I am kind of a fan of the Vaseline just to watch them slip and slide right. all over the place. The Vaseline on it. Exactly. I'm going to set up a camera yeah. and just watch them slip and slide everywhere. Yeah. And just put like the a CD of the musical hairspray out there. <laughs> <laughs> see if that's a deterrent. That's right. See if, the, see if that'll work. <laughs> I'm sorry about your pumpkin. Oh. It's okay. Oh, and now we have all kinds of beautiful, beautiful peppers. Great. Um, so we've got gorgeous jalapenos and our poblanos came in like rock stars. So I'm looking forward to, you know, making some goodies with those. And we have a bunch of acorn squash too. Oh, nice. That I was thinking, I mean, there's so much that you can do with them. And they last so long. They really do. They're gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous things. But I was thinking of maybe making like a stuffed acorn squash. Mm. You know? Oh, that sounds great. You could do it with anything, like some wild rice and sausage or, you know, you can let your imagination run wild with it. This year, I'm all about butternut squash. That's my mm, big vine is butternut. so good. They're not very big, but I have like 15 of them. Whoa. And I think I'm just going to leave them on the vine as long as possible because- May as well. We're having a very leisurely fall this year and- the Denver metro area. It's true, and you may as well just let them let them do their business. No, we haven't had a frost yet. No, we haven't even not had yet. a light frost. We've I had know. nothing, and it's it's you know the the middle of October. We've passed our um, average frost date. We most certainly have, and uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's been. So I'm hoping to. Have, I'm going to do is I'm going to. I think I'm going to freeze my. School. Yeah, like cook it, cook my squash, and then freeze it. I love that idea. What will you do with it then? Soups. Yeah, yeah. soup. Well, That's I the best thing. I love butternut squash yeah. soups so much. Um, and how are your tomatoes coming in? Tomatoes are gorgeous and wonderful, except the damn squirrels, I'm telling you. Oh, my gosh. And both of my dogs <laughs> are hilarious with them. Honey, uh, the Malamute, would very much like to get her lips and teeth around at least one, if not 50 squirrels. Every time we walk her, she's looking to go up that tree right alongside with them. But they jump from our 
like fence mm-hmm. onto our garage mm-hmm. so she can never even oh. remotely get a hold of them. Till they figure that out. Yeah, easy, right? And the bulldog will let me know when there's one in the garden. This is your bulldog named Sue. Sue. He will let me know <laughs> when there's a squirrel in the garden. Well, that's good to know. He doesn't do anything about oh, okay. it, but he lets me know. <laughs> oh, Sue. <laughs> um, well, I have a surprise for you about a garden update for me. Oh, fabulous. Well, I went outside and looked at things, and I looked at my, my zucchini plant. Uh-huh. And there's a zucchini on it. <gasps> my first zucchini in October. Oh, my gosh. So, friends, last year I... Had trouble growing a zucchini because I kept planting the wrong seeds. For some reason, I kept getting yellow summer squash. I did it again this year. So I went and I bought a zucchini plant and I planted it in July. Oh, boy. August, September, October. Three months later, I'm getting my first zucchini on it. And only one? One so far. But there are some flowers. I might get a couple more. But, you know, you know, once the frost happens, zucchini is the first one in oh, my garden yeah. to go. I agree. Like, it's over. I agree. It's really hard to keep that to cover. No. No. zucchini plant. They're no, very no, sensitive. No. So. I agree. I might just get one zucchini That's out of it. so sad. That- it's so sad. <laughs> I know I had to buy, I, as we talked about last week, you having to actually go to the store, buy a zucchini. I had to do that, oh, too. Oh, my gosh. It was like, oh, this so, just, it's painful. And, and, and really embarrassing. It really is. But I guess, you know, if our goal here is to celebrate our garden failures, it's good we're living the brand, Karen. That's right. Oh, boy, am I. I could, I mean, that's me every day. Yeah. Look at me fail. <laughs> it's and I got, constant. I have eggplant coming in all over the place. I do too. Eggplant oh, shoot, was, I was very gonna ask happy. You, I was going to ask if you wanted some because. I love eggplant. I like eggplant, but when it all comes in. There's only like, so much you can do with it. Because I like to make eggplant parmesan. Me too. And I like, and I also like to put it in a bolognese. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Um, oh, I, I bet I that's can make, delicious. I could make, uh, what is that, baba, gan- baba ganoush? Bob, you can make baba ganoush with it. It just You could also so make, a, a, like, a caponata with it. A what? A caponata, which is like a... <laughs> You get your tomatoes uh-huh. and your eggplant and pine nuts and... Um, Raisins, uh huh. You know, you can put it on bruschetta, or you can have oh, it nice. in a pasta, or something like that. I love it's it when really the Italian delicious. comes out in you. I know it's everywhere. <laughs> I didn't want to leave. <laughs> it lingers. Friends, Karen was just in Italy. What for the fifth time this year? Oh my year? god! I wish it was the fifth time this year. No, we we like to go every five years, mm. and every time I go, I don't. I'm not clear on why I come back, except for the fact that I don't really understand their political system at all. <laughs> but that said, yeah. I don't really understand our political system at all. So, you know, what's stopping me from just There is sort of that sort of like dream when you see these things on the news where like, here's this town that will pay you in Italy to move there. Right. And I bet it doesn't, it's not as spectacular you probably have a big money pit of a house you gotta clean up and i would imagine a basement full of fish guts or something (laughs) (laughs) something's wrong there and you know they should disclose that they really should not good real estate business it's really not talk about needing a a, like lifetime supply of febreze (laughs) (laughs) nice callback karen (laughs) thanks very good (laughs) well uh we're talking today we're talking about um Things in the garden that start with the letter A. Yes. 
In other words, like Sesame Street, our, this is, we're brought to you by the letter A today. And if I was the count, it would be A. Yes. <laughs> Although yeah. he only did numbers, so and that it doesn't count. It reminds me of our Upside Down Dictionary. Yes. So we Absolutely. always say, friends, if there are words or terms you don't understand, you can go to our website and look up the humorous and informative Upside Down Dictionary. We've got some things with the letter A in there. We're going to expand on some of the favorite things. In fact, one of the things with the letter A, Karen, is I'm going to talk about my favorite plant that starts with the letter A. Ooh, I can't wait to hear what that is. Um, but before that, we should, let's have a pod play. Love it. And we're talking about squirrels. Oh boy, are we ever. And and friends, if you remember, Karen stars as the squirrel in our pod plays about squirrels. I do. So I do. we're bringing back one, another of our favorite pod plays about the squirrel. And later on, we have a brand new pod play featuring Karen Slack as the squirrel. <laughs> did I explain that well? It was all kind of all over the place. But no, I think yeah. you did a great job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, autumn, the falling leaves, the crisp breeze, the... What's this? I planted hundreds of bulbs yesterday, and they're all dug up. No, but I put cayenne and red pepper flakes on them. <gasps> My newly planted pansies, chewed to the root. Oh, come on. Was it that same awful squirrel who ate my tomatoes? Oh, do you feel that chill? Winter's coming. Oh, look how bushy my tail is. It's gonna be a long one. Hope I have enough food stored away. Wait a minute. What's this? It's bulbs. She planted bulbs. And look here, bulblets. Tiny little tender bulbs as an appetizer. <laughs> an amusement. <laughs> How sweet of her. She must have forgiven me for eating the tomatoes. What a nice woman. Oh, wait. Oh, no, she didn't. They're spicy hot. Ha, how did she know Mexican food is my favorite? <laughs> Delicious and so satisfying. I'm going to dig all of them up and hide them under my tree. And look here. Edimentals, pansies and violas. I don't really like edimentals, but if she went to all the trouble to leave me dessert, <coughs> I wouldn't want to be rude. <coughs> like me mum always said, finish your plate. <coughs> look here. It's like a buffet out here. Oh, they're delicious! Oh no! All that work! I'm gonna get that squirrel if it's the last thing I do. High blood pressure day in the garden. Have a cup of Calm Tom's high tea. No longer just for pricey restaurants. You can have high tea in the comfort of your own kitchen. Calm Tom's high tea. Organic tea leaves, rose hips, our love, and a little something extra goes into every tea bag. Have a cuppa. You'll feel better. So we're talking a, a potpourri of things that start with the letter A. 
Yes. Or as my friends in northern Minnesota would say, a potpourri. Do things. they really say potpourri? <laughs> eh? Oh my goodness gracious, <laughs> those Minnesotans. <laughs> They're so funny. And we're going to start with um, the one of the uh, the bugs we love to hate. Oh, the damn aphids. Yeah. Aphids. <laughs> so I looked up all kinds, because, you know, they seem kind of useless to me, right? Aphids. They mm-hmm. don't pollinate. What are they doing? They suck. They suck. They suck. They literally suck. Yes. They suck juice out of your plants. Exactly. They're like leeches. They're like (laughs) leeches in your garden. They're disgusting little things. But I did learn some interesting little tidbits. Mm -hmm. Aphids poop sugar. They do. Really. And it's called honeydew. Oh, yes. Or as I like to call it, (laughs) honeydew-doo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then there are these. Somebody in northern Minnesota is laughing right now. <laughs> I'm certain of it. <laughs> there are also these sugar-loving ants that adopt, or I would say, kidnap these aphids and take them, kidnap them, mm-hmm. and take them from plant to plant. They milk them. For their honey doo doo. With that little gesture that With you're their, doing right yeah, now, Karen. I think Karen's that's making exactly. a teeny tiny little. It's exactly like a, like, a ben, like a Ben Stiller gesture right now. It is totally what the kitty cat. <laughs> it is totally what they do. Um, and they they even take the aphids then to go hibernate with them. And the ants offer them protection. Oh, so it's like a symbiotic relationship. You know, it kind of, I think, sounds like insect trafficking, right. if you ask me. The aphids may have Stockholm Syndrome. I believe they probably would, yeah, okay, right? Gotcha. Like, you would start yeah. to identify with the ants. Mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> they think they are an ant mm. after a while. Mm-hmm. Those poor aphids. You know what? I'm all for it, though. Those sugar ants can have as many of those as they want. Aphids are also kickboxers. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They use their back legs to attack their predators. And their wow. predators, you know, the, everything's a predator of the aphid. The oh, yeah. Ladybugs, yeah. lace wings. Yeah, ladybugs love them. They, they're like ice cream to them. Exactly. And those, have you heard of the minute pirate bugs? No. Yeah, those are, those are big time predators. And I can only imagine what pirates do to them. If we've got right. the sugar loving ants that are kidnapping them. And trafficking right. them they, for their honey doo doo. They blindfold them and put them on little planks. Little and tiny planks. Send them over the plant. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I bet they probably do. <laughs> there are big eyed bugs that also go after aphids. They're okay. just called big eyed bugs. And there are damsel bugs that go after aphids, which doesn't sound like they would put up much of a fight. Right. Right? Like, because they're always in damsel. distress. They're in yeah. distress. They don't, they can't. Um, there are also certain kinds of aphids called gall-making aphids, and no one can believe their bold and brazen insolence. But these aphids produce these female soldier nymphs uh-huh. with burly legs that they use to detain and squeeze intruders. Oh, my god! And I'm pretty sure that this is now on that, you know, like UFC champion. Right. <laughs> 
Like, I'm pretty sure they're like, this is the soldier nymph move. It's just like <laughs> burling legs, squeezing somebody. Do they wear little costumes to them? Oh, God, I really hope so. And like little lucha, lucha libre masks, There's maybe. There's a lot of stuff happening in one's garden. When you think no about kidding. on the micro level, like, oh it gosh. is violent. It really is. It's true. That's what I learned about those crazy aphids. Well, you know, just to add on to that, I do know this also, Karen, that... Um, Females can have babies without a mate. They can have a virgin birth. Wow. It's one of those type of animals. And in fact, they call it Russian doll, which means that the female can have babies inside her and those babies can have babies inside them. That's terrifying. So you can have an awful lot of aphids. And of course, they're not great for your garden because they will, they'll, you know, because they suck on um stems i had a real bad case of them this year my broccoli oh god they love broccoli they love brussels sprouts anytime mm. we've done brussels sprouts they are just calendula my calendula flowers yes. i could get a real bad case oh, and gosh. i know you have them too because they look they could look white or bumpy and also they leave a sticky residue but i mean is that the honeydew you it's think? the honeydew that's, honey that's yeah the honey it's their doo-doo. poop it's their poop that's behind there um there are a couple ways to get rid of it of course you already mentioned it karen which is um, ladybugs. Ladybugs, yes. And just remember, folks, if you're going to buy ladybugs uh, and you're going to distribute them in the evening, distribute them in the evening. Right. Make sure you give them a water, the ladybugs, a water source. And when they start to wake up, as I have once discovered, I had 5,000 ladybugs crawling all over me when I was trying to <laughs> toss them in the yard. You're like, no, not me. Yeah, not me. Creepy. The broccoli. <laughs> a, a good hard squirt of water will do it too. Especially on things like broccoli, like sturdy plants. You know, if you get the jet spray. Totally. And just spray Browse them. them. Yep. Edith does this. She takes her hand and just smears them off. Oh. Which I'm impressed by. I am too. Mm. I don't want to touch that honey doo-doo. <laughs> Just don't. And you can also make your own spray, which is... um, Is it complicated? (laughs) 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 To some people, it might be. Okay. It is uh, soapy water. Oh, good. That's not complicated. That's Uh, good. uh, We encourage you to use a a soap that is a clean soap. Yes. Like a Castile soap. Yes. Um, Mix one and one half teaspoons of a mild liquid soap with one quart of water and fabulous. put that in your sprayer. How fabulous. And and sometimes people also can put vegetable oil in that too. Huh. Does the vegetable oil have any sort of residue or anything that it would leave on the plants thereafter? Okay. Yeah, there's yeah, I've got I made some sprays before to vegetable oil too. Really? And it yeah. doesn't it doesn't affect the plant yeah. at all. It's fine. I love it. Interesting. And then you can also buy a neem oil. Yes. At the store. Right. Yeah. So you can always do that. Great. So great. uh, More than ever, we wanted to know about aphids. (laughs) I am sure. But still, that's really helpful, Karen. That's really. Here's another A word. And it's one of your least favorite A words, Karen. It's the impermanent annual, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Annual. there are two types of plants, friends, when it comes to vegetables and flowers. You have annuals and perennials. An annual refers to a plant that's usually grown outdoors in the spring and summer and survives for just one growing season. So it germinates, it flowers, and it dies, and you will not see that plant again. Ever again. That and it doesn't, it doesn't even really say goodbye. Yeah. It just, it's just over. Mm-hmm. And when it's over... <laughs> 
Oh. And if you don't take any pictures of what you planted and you can't mm-hmm. even get it back, and then even if you try to get it back the next yeah. year, you don't actually get the same snapdragons that you had the year before. And then those snapdragons are just gone forever. They're different. They're different. Yeah. Well, non committal. Yeah. We'll work on your commitment issues in another episode, Karen. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, it's, I think I, to speak of, you know, to speak in favor of annual plants, and this is usually most vegetable plants. It's also like petunia, zinnia, marigolds, snapdragons, yes. as yes. you said. Um, I like to put them and mix them in with my perennials, the plants that come back every year. Because when the perennials usually have a short growing season. True. And then the annual will bloom all summer long. It's very true. So you can stick, um, for example, in front of my iris, which will have a blooming season of maybe three, four weeks if you're lucky. Right. I'll plant marigolds in front of that. So they'll hide the iris as they're dying back, and then I have something pretty in July. I love that idea. I love the idea of mixing them in with each other. We do, I like... We do definitely have marigolds in our garden, mixed in with our vegetables and all that good stuff. Which is great because that's also a, a bug deterrent for that's aphids. Right. Oh my gosh, we forgot to say that. I know, marigolds. They're French the best. marigolds. They're the best. Well, let's go to a brand new pod play, friends. This is Karen as the squirrel and myself as myself. <laughs> My goodness, what a gorgeous day to harvest some tomatoes from my garden. <laughs> oh no! That darn squirrel has done it again! Why are squirrels so wasteful? Why oh why do they just take a bite or two of a beautiful big boy and then leave the rest of the tomato on the top of the fence? I'll never understand it. Hello, my favorite garden, and hello, you gorgeous globular green tomatoes. <laughs> Soon you will be ripe and ready in mine, oh mine. I'm just a love machine, huh? and I won't work for nobody but you. Hey, I, you! I, yeah, you, with the tail, come here! Who? Me? Yeah, you, you fuzzy rat. Get over here. Fuzzy rat. This is a good one, boys. This is a good one. Go, go. All right, uh, um, uh, how can I help you fellows? Hey, Lou, get a load of this one acting like he doesn't know who we are. We are not the crows with whom to cross. Yeah, yeah. I can show him who we are, boss. <laughs> no, 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 no need to show me anything. I'm not much of a kinesthetic learner. I, I, I'm much more of an oral learner. So just tell me, right? No need to lay hands on anyone, huh? All right, squirrel. Here's the deal. You like this block? You like these gardens? You steal from them every day without consequence, right? Steal? I mean, that's a bit harsh. If they didn't want me to have it, they should probably lock it all up, right? <laughs> I mean, it's all just out there, in the open. Stop with your jibber and jabber, you feral gerbil. Here's the deal. This block, it's ours, see? These gardens, they're ours, see? Your use of them, 
requires a fee, see? A fee? In case you haven't noticed, there's a bit of an inflation happening right now. I, mean, I couldn't possibly... Stop your it. miserly mom at mouth from moving and listen. For every bite of a right delicious stolen tomato you take, you have to leave us at least 62% of said tomato. This isn't just exclusive to the tomatoes. We just happen to be talking about tomatoes. Isn't it funny? You say... Tomato, I say tomato, tomato, tomato. Oh, let's just call the whole thing off. Um, oh, oh, wow, oh. Don't worry, boss. I got him by his bushy tail. <laughs> oh, watch the tail, will you? It's my best feature. Good job, Lou. Look, every squirrel on this block knows the drill. They all know that we take a piece of the action. You give us at least 62% of all... 62%? Oddly specific. Stop your pissy prattling, you pathetic prairie dog. 62% of all the goodies you get from these gardens is left for us. You can leave it wherever, on the fences, down in the yard, on the car, in the alley, on the curb, in the trees, wherever your nut-crazed noggin tells you to. Just do it. And we're watching you, squirrel. We're always watching you. Yeah, yeah. And in return, I don't tell Jimmy the Hawk where you sleep. <laughs> and I don't stuff your own tail in your mouth. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, ironic though that may be, I'd say we have a deal. Seeing as though I love my tail and breathing. So yeah, there's that, eh? Good choice, kid. Good choice. And iconic. I like that. We are iconic. Iconic, boss. Oh my god! A squirrel and crows get out of my garden. Shoo, shoo. Was this a shakedown? I think I just got shook down. We're going to talk about more A's in the garden, not including the A-holes of the squirrel world. <laughs> We've given them too much breath as it is. And we have. <laughs> what else you got, Karen? Well, aerating. Mm. And and I, you know, as I was looking into it, I was like, well, I, you know you aerate your lawn. Well, I do. Oh, of course. And then it also, like, became clear to me that we also aerate our garden when you turn the soil. So anytime you turn the soil, essentially you're aerating. Because mm -hmm. it all comes from that same root word, air, mm -hmm. from the Greek. Mm -hmm. Very true. Um, and that's also aerobic. And aerating is very beneficial. It increases the air exchange within the soil, the water uptake. Mm. It creates stronger roots. And it helps with tolerance and stress. And I would suggest that aerobic activity does that for me oh, nice. as well. Um, a, a guy came to our house quite some time ago, like years, but you know, they, they're still around, but he was asking if we needed them to aerate our lawn. Uh -huh. And I said, I just toss on a pair of heels and <laughs> on a Saturday night, let's go aerate the lawn. Anytime it. I'm at an out outdoor thing on a lawn, I'm like, look at this. I'm aerating your lawn right. for free. <laughs> That's nice. You should pay me. You know, golf shoes would also work. That is true. Golf shoes would work, but they don't look as cute. Yeah. I aerate my lawn. They say you should do it 
twice a year. I do it at least once a year. I think once is And sufficient. that's that machine that comes through and takes out, you know, plugs right out and um and helps your lawn from getting too thatchy. Totally. And <clears throat> apparently you want to leave those little plugs. Yes, that's you true. You don't pick them up cuz the it'll disperse back into the soil. Um, with watering, which you are supposed to do after you aerate. And I personally think that those little plugs look like goose poop. They do. <laughs> so treat them like goose poop and don't pick them up. Don't touch them. <laughs> Leave them there. But it does, it is a little embarrassing though when people come over to your house after you've just aerated and they go, oh, oh. what is in your lawn? Oh, you must have zombie geese that come and... <laughs> Of course not. And you do also, in addition to watering after you aerate, you also want, that's a great time to fertilize because yes. then your lawn will get the full benefit of that fertilization. And reseed if you want to. That's right. Because if you have little patches or little thinning areas, then throw some seed down and it'll get in those little holes and it'll be happy. Totally. Another A word, Karen. Yes. Is air layering. I don't know anything about this, Christy. Well, this is a centuries-old propagating process that was developed by the Chinese. Huh. So it's about recreating and getting more plants. It is where you, a stem is made to root by slicing into it and wrapping the cut in like a moist moth or some other medium and wrapping it in plastic wrap. Huh. And what will happen is that from the wound of the stem will grow another plant. Wow. Like Frankenstein, like Dr. Frankenstein. Wow. People you will use it a lot for indoor plants. Making a little cut in a landscape plant that has become leggy or that has lost its lower leaves and things yeah. like that. People also use it as a great way to propagate lavender. Oh. So you can Wrap a wad of soil around a stem that's connected to the mother plant, and a few months later, you'll have a healthy lavender shoot to grow or give away from the mother plant. How fascinating. Air I'm going to do that. I'm going to have to try that with my lavender and see what it does, because, man, I love lavender. And so do the bees. Yes. What the bees love, I love, because <laughs> bees are great. We need bees. More bees, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I looked into the average frost dates, which you know are are just all over the place. They're mm -hmm. all over the map, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and it depends entirely, of course, on where you live. They're broken into zones within the United States. There are zones three through ten. If you are in zones three and four, the first frost is anywhere between September 1st and 30th. Zones five, six, and seven is between September 30th and October 30th. Mm. And um, zone eight is October 30th to November 30th. And nine and 10, which is like Florida and a bit of Texas, mm -hmm. is November 30th through December 30th. I'm so jealous of uh, that zone. Are you? I mean, I understand it. I understand the jealousy. But then you have to take into consideration everything else you're getting in Florida and Texas. And I'm okay. Oh, fair point. You know what I mean? Yes. They can keep the zones. But when you talk to your friends in California and they're talking about how they're growing things, you know. I know. It's unfair. Well, in, in Colorado, November. it's really unique in that we have like three separate zones working within our state. 
Depending on the elevation. And in the Denver metro area, we are zone 5B. Correct. Though I think with climate change, sometimes I feel like we're zone 6. I agree. But up in the mountains. They're like a 3. Wow. Yeah, 3 and 4. Yeah, I grew up in Minnesota with three and four, and that's yeah, tough because that it's tough. hard to grow a tomato. And I have friends in the mountains, they say they just can't do tomatoes up there. It's so true. Well, and when they talk about their growing season, I feel kind of spoiled because yeah, I'm like, oh, you only get what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 5B is pretty good. And also, that zone can change depending upon, you can even have a microclimate in your own yard. Right. Like their front yard could be warmer than your backyard. That or is totally think true. Think by the house will be warmer. But knowing your average... Frost dates is important so you know how you can plant with more success. Exactly. So like I planted spinach and lettuce a couple weeks ago, knowing that our average frost date is going to be around October 7th. Correct. Knowing that I have time. Though I should say this is that I'm glad we're having a slow fall, Karen, because um, I think my my lettuce is maybe two inches high. Oh, goodness. So it's got a place to go. <laughs> Please. I have microgreens. And then you can also know that for the spring, too, when your average last frost date is, then you know when you can go and start planting. It's so true. Well, and for for me, I've always kind of gone by the, I don't know if it was like, an, I don't know if it's even really valid, but just my, my, um, my grandpa would always tell me to never, ever plant until after Mother's Day. Inevitably, because we would get some sort of- I think it depends on of, what it is, though. I think so, too. Because I, I really will do plant too. things on- St. Patrick's Day. I'll plant lettuces and peas. Depending on what it is, for yeah. sure. Tomatoes. Don't plant till after Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. flirting with the devil. There were a lot of them. But, and you can even get your first frost when the temperature outside is not yet freezing. Great point. So that was interesting to me. And I just think when in doubt, go wrap up your plants like little baby burritos. <laughs> <laughs> then everything will be all right. If you feel cold, they're probably cold. Yeah, it's a good time here to keep your eye on the weather. It's true. Yeah. Because it changes constantly. Well, here's another A word. Actually, it's two A words. Acid soil and alkaline soil. Yes, please. A lot of people often wonder, what is that and how does it make your garden better and why should you know about it? Totally. And essentially what it means, it's either the sweetness or the sourness of your soil. Mm-hmm. Now, If you live in a high rainfall area with more tree cover, your soil is often more acid, which means a pH of less than 7. Remember this from chemistry class? I do. Um, So generally speaking, soils in the U.S. are moderately acidic in the eastern and southeastern portions and the Pacific Northwest. So that would be like Washington, Oregon, Northern California. Right. And so if your pH is... Very low, and so you have a very acidic soil. You could add lime in either ground or powdered form to boost it up a little bit more. You you can also use that to dispose of bodies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, just little facts. Are you watching that Dahmer documentary series? Yes. I oh knew God. that's what you were doing. Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> so intense. Okay. We uh, we should start a gardening true crime podcast. Oh, my God. I would love it so much. I would okay. love it so much. Um, in Colorado, in our area, the majority of our soils are on the alkaline side, which is a more sweet side, which means a pH of 7 or above. So these are people that live in more arid areas of the country. Now, if you live in the Midwest and the Great Lakes area... These tend to be more neutral. Huh. And that's what you want to garden. 
You want the most neutral, neutral or even soil that you can or get. Or slightly acidic. Huh. Because there's a kind of a mixture of factors, I think, because the Midwest has less rainfall and more tree cover. Um, but they've also been subjected to a lot of intense farming for a number of generations, which may have increased the acidic levels a little bit. Right. So, and you can test your own soil. You can go buy a tester to find out what your soil is like. And it might differ from your front yard to your backyard. And also, we also have some easy soil tests on our website. Oh, really? That you can make yourself. How fabulous. Yeah. It involves uh, your soil, some water, and vinegar. I love science. It's so stinking cool. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to treat it like a lab, like, you know, when you yeah. used to do labs. I wish I would have appreciated science more when I was a kid because I really am interested in it now. Oh, it's so fascinating. Yeah. It's such And how much you need to stuff. garden, you know? Yeah. My daughter came home and was like, we're doing labs in science. And I like geeked out. I was like, can I come? Like, <laughs> I love labs. I love science. It's oh so my God. Cool. Your daughter would hate you so much if you should. <laughs> 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 she would never speak to me again. I'm sure that my mere presence and breath actually <laughs> really is mortifying to her. Oh. <laughs> well, um, there are lots of plants, Karen, that start with the letter A. There are. Um, there's autumn joy sedum, amaryllis, asters, African daisies. I would love to talk about my favorite plant that starts with the letter A. Please. Agastaki. I'm sorry. Please don't call me that, that again. <laughs> I'm a nice person. I take offense. No, I'm just joking. What is it? Agastaki is, the name is derived from the Greek, and essentially it means a very large ear of grain because it's referring to its abundant flower spikes. Huh. It is a plant that's native to most of North America. And in addition to being a very beneficial garden plant, it is beautiful. It is available in a wide variety of colors. You can get it in pink and purple and blue oh. and red and orange. It's also known as hummingbird mint. <gasps> oh, I like that. So um, it is a magnet for bees, butterflies, and hummingbirds. And it has this minty fragrance oh. that can be dried and you can make tea out of it. How fabulous. Get this, Karen. Agastaki is tolerant of heat and drought in arid climate. So it's great for Denver. Great Colorado. for Colorado. Yeah. It is deer and rabbit resistant. Again, great for Colorado. And it's a fairly long blooming perennial, which means it comes back every year uh, and it blooms for many weeks throughout the summer. Okay, I'm in love already. It it can get kind of big, three to five feet tall. Oh my. Now the first year, I just planted some more. The first year a perennial is going to sleep. Okay. The second year it creeps, and the third year it leaps. Oh, wow. So mine will take a little bit to get to three to five feet, but I've had them before that have gotten quite large, and it likes full sun. Beautiful. It likes a lean soil, which means it doesn't need a lot of fertilizing. Okay. And as we just talked about, it wants slightly acidic soil. It is good in zone three to ten, Karen. Oh, my gosh. Anybody can grow it. So- Agastaki, letter A. And if there are other letters you would like us to dig into, please don't say X, people. <laughs> That's I've just got... mean. That's just cruel. Uh, let us know, and we'll <laughs> do some more letters in the future. Can't wait. Oh, I just thought of one. Xeriscapic. What's that? We could do Xeriscapic. Oh, yeah. That's okay, a... we could do one. That's we could do one. One X. Okay. One X. <laughs> hey, Karen, guess what time it is? What time? It's mailbag time. Ring, ring. Because the postman always rings twice. 
Um, our letter today is from Marsha, who is a member of the Garden Party. Thank you so much, Marsha. Thanks, Marsha. Hi, Upside Down Tulips. I learned the hard way that choke cherries are not safe to eat if they still have their pits in. I snacked on some yesterday from my choke cherry tree and got really sick. The pits create a cyanide in one's stomach. I'm going okay now, and I'm quite lucky. Maybe it doesn't happen to all who eat them. I ate them years ago without any problem, as did my daughter. Reading about choke cherries on the internet was a real eye-opener. I continue to look forward to receiving the Upside Down Tulips podcasts. Keep up the great work, Marsha. Oh my goodness, Marsha. Oh, I'm so glad you're okay. Me too. Well, friends, you may remember that I have a choke cherry in my front yard. And uh, this is a, a Canada red choke cherry. And these are, I thought, was you know, it's a great, lovely tree. It's tough. It's hardy. It has these beautiful ornamental choke cherries that are perfect for difficult spots. They tolerate heat. They tolerate cold. They don't mind poor soil. They're drought tolerant, which is great for us in Colorado. Completely. They have these beautiful purple leaves on them mm. and great smelling flowers in the spring. Mm. But I did not know this about the choke cherry pits. Did you know that, Karen? No, but you know, I I feel like a lot of fruit pits contain levels of cyanide. Well, what's arsenic? Is that the cherry? Arsenic, I believe, is the apple. Oh. But I could be wrong about that. That could be cyanide as well. Oh, my And gosh. I know that cherry pits also contain small levels of either arsenic or cyanide. Either way, it's poison. Well, I learned this, that um, choke cherries are harmless to birds, but under certain conditions, the plants can be poisonous to ruminants, which is animals like cattle, goats, deer, and moose. Aha. Uh -huh. And they are not toxic all the time, but they can turn toxic. Um, they produce compounds that build up when the plants are grown under conditions such as high nitrogen or low phosphorus soil. Huh. If there's pollution. Or if the tree has been exposed to unique freezing temperatures or sprayed with herbicides, or it didn't like the way it was pruned, huh? or it was been chewed on by a moose. Oh, those moose. The tree will get defensive. Isn't that and fascinating? Get toxic. And so maybe that explains oh. why Marsha ate them before and had no problem. And then a couple years later, she had toxins build up in her stomach. That is so interesting. And the toxins can be in the leaves, the seeds, the buds, the tips of the branches. And um, I and I got this from the Alaska uh, Game and Wildlife Organization, Department of Department of Fish and Game. That's what it is. And they had a big problem because moose were dying. Whoa, from these choke cherries? Yeah. Wow. Wow. That you know, I've always kind of gone by the rule of thumb that if the if the berries are too pretty, if the plant's too pretty, don't eat it. Because like mm. I feel like they are they are so beautiful and ornamental for a very specific visual reason. Uh -huh. So that they're you know once they get eaten mm -hmm. by said moose. Said moose goes home and says, don't eat that plant, and then keels over. And then the rest of the family knows not to go eat that plant. So you will only eat ugly berries. Ugly berries. Like 
I think actually all berries are pretty beautiful. (laughs) So it's a lie because I love blueberries and raspberries and I think they're absolutely gorgeous. But but there's something to those ornamental ones, those little little ones that I've always been very leery of. I was also interested too, this is so stupid of me, but like I have this choke cherry and like this year I had this gorgeous, beautiful, big crop of choke cherries. But the birds usually get it. And then I realized they didn't get all of them this year and I thought I should go out there and harvest them, but I didn't know you could eat the pit because they're tiny. Yeah. I didn't know, like, the whole idea is that you just eat the whole thing. I thought, how am I going to get the pits you out of there? You get those pits out of there. <laughs> do you know what you could do is mix them up with, I don't know, something that squirrels would eat. You know what I mean? There we go. Would they get sick off of them? That's what I Because that need. might be a good idea. Oh, yes. <laughs> there we go. Well, okay, friends, if you have questions or comments, celebrations in your garden, you want to tell us what is poisonous in your garden. <laughs> uh, we're always on a lookout for more ways to get rid of squirrels. Oh my goodness, always. Please help. Will you write to us please at UpsideDownTulips at gmail or at UpsideDownTulips.com. The garden is winding down. So it's time for some inspiration. Kara, do you have some for us? I do. This um, inspiration comes from Thich Nhat Hanh, who uh, passed away not too long ago. He was a Buddhist monk who um, was a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And I love this inspiration. When I read it, I was like, this is kind of perfect. It's a little, little long, so bear with me. When you plant lettuce... If it does not grow well, you don't blame the lettuce. You look for reasons it is not doing well. It may need fertilizer or more water or less sun. You never blame the lettuce. Yet if we have problems with our friends or family, we blame the other person. But if we know how to take care of them, they will grow well, like the lettuce. Blaming has no positive effect at all nor does trying to persuade using reason and argument. That is my experience. No blame, no reasoning, no argument, just understanding. If you understand and you show that you understand, you can love and the situation will change. That brings tears to my eyes. (laughs) It's pretty beautiful. That is beautiful. Something great to carry with us for the next couple weeks. Yes. And that, my friends, is the end of another episode of Upside Down Tulips. We are Christy Montour Larson and Karen Slack. And if you got some laughs and some sort of value out of this week's episode, could you please do us a favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. It really makes a difference. It really does. And thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. If you want more, just go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. Many thanks to the many talents and wonderfully kind heart of our friend Michael Morgan. And thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. Join us in two weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you. Don't forget, Karen, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. No blame. That's right. Don't blame. Just understanding. Upside down.